Welcome to Resurrection Church Podcast. We are honored you are here. Without any further delay, here's the word. Genesis chapter 25. We're going to take a few minutes and look at some scriptures. Genesis chapter 25. I call this the old stress trick. The old stress trick. Here we are in the Christmas season. It's supposed to be the happiest time of the year. But you know for most people, it's the most worrisome time of the year. They're wearied by the preparation of the season, buying Christmas presents, overextending their credit, buying on credit cards, cooking, special events, all the busyness of the holiday season. And you know, life can really wear on us this time of year, can it? Because there's so many things that are pulling on us day to day, trying to, you know, and on top of that, the kids are out of school for two weeks. And then we're faced with the possibilities of the new year. And then sometimes, so what we do is we get so busy, we really miss the reason for the season, don't we? Am I talking to anybody yet? Well, we're going to look at this favorite trick of the enemy. We call it stress, but the Bible calls it weariness. I don't think the word stress was in Hebrew at that time. It's something that we invented. Now think about this. Weariness or stress. When we don't relieve it or deal with it, it can cause things like heart disease, uh, it's been claimed that, that people have diabetes or thyroid issues or the abuse of alcohol or drugs. It even affects the immune system when somebody gets stressed out. Nancy, am I, it, you, you've seen this in, in that field. And so th- there are all kinds of trails that lead to this weariness. Uh, you know, weariness can actually lead to fatigue, which is act- somewhat different. Uh, people have had, are walking around with arthritis, autoimmune diseases, because they are overtaxed, they're stressed out. Uh, chronic infections, uh, infections uh, sleep disorders, can the list, I can think of, a, this is just a few that I thought of. Maybe you can think of some. A lack of concentration, just achiness from being weary from the, what we call this season. Well, the bottom line is, is that when these things come on us, it detains or detracts us from our destiny that God has purposed for our lives because we're so centered on trying to fix the problem. I'm going somewhere, stay with me. And you know what? This is not an old new trick. This is an old trick. The enemy has been using weariness/stress to detain people for centuries to keep the 
What kind of noise is that door making? <laughs> we'll need to, Eric, we'll need to fix that one. <laughs> Sound like a something or another. <laughs> so let me look at, well, let's look at this story because you see, um, Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun. So weariness has been around, and we're going to look at this today because I believe the Lord is going to talk to us about this. Now, this is a story in Genesis chapter 25, and it's a history of, of uh, Abraham's children, his son Isaac. And Isaac, uh, he and his wife had two, had a, she had problems getting pregnant, so they sought the Lord, and the Lord blessed her womb. And while she was uh, uh, growing those children in her stomach, they were tussling with one another, okay? And they didn't know, you know, the Lord gave them a word, and I won't get into all the details. You'll find this in verse 19, 20, 21, 22, 4, or 5, out through there. But uh, when they were born, they came out, they were twins, all right? And so we see that in that, the, one, the first one came out, he was red and hairy. His name was Esau. And then his little brother, the one who came second, was Jacob, and he got his name because Jacob means heel catcher or heel snatcher, someone who subverts, someone who's a trickster. He was, what he was trying to do was pull his brother back in so he could be first because that's what we're going to talk about was the prize of being the firstborn. So look at verse 27. Esau now is the firstborn. Isaac, excuse me, uh, Esau, Esau, <laughs> Esau is the firstborn. Jacob was a peaceful man. It says, and the boys grew up. Esau became, in verse 27, a skillful hunter, a man of the field. But Jacob was a peaceful man living in tents. Now, Isaac loved Esau because he had a taste for the game. But Rebekah loved Jacob. When Jacob had cooked a stew, Esau came in from the field and he was famished. Everyone say famished. That's not the right translation. The proper translation for the Hebrew word is weary. And there's a difference between being hungry and being wearied. Now, I understand why they translated it that way because they were trying to, to include, you know, Hebrew comes in many forms and fashions, and they were trying to fit it into the storyline, thinking that what the real issue was is that Esau was hungry. That was not the real issue. The real issue was is Esau was weary. Are you with me? So he came in from the field and he was wearied. And by the way, the One New Man Bible does translate it correctly. Am I telling right? Okay, so it says it that. And Esau said to Jacob, Please let me have a swallow of that red stuff there, for I am wearied. Therefore, his name was called Edom. Edom simply means red. But Jacob said, first, sell me your birthright. Esau said, behold, I am about to die. So what is the use then is this birthright to me? And Jacob said, first, swear to me. So he swore to him and he sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew. And he ate and drank and rose and went on his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. 
See, that was the, the task at hand. Esau was the firstborn. As the firstborn, he had the rights of the father. In other words, he inherited everything, basically, from the father. It came to him first as the firstborn. So the firstborn was the most privileged of all. And there are a couple of firstborns in here today. And you are privileged to be the firstborn. But it says that this, this young man named Esau, when he came in from hunting, he was famished or he was weary. In other words, he was so tired he was about to pass out. Now there's a difference between being, I believe, between being tired and being weary. You know, we can, you can go out and dig a ditch and you can get really tired. You can have a confrontation with another person over and over again and you become wearied. So they're different. Now, sometimes they come together, but there's two separate things. So because Esau was weary, he gave up his birthright. Now, this is nothing new. We see it all through the Bible. We'll look at that in just a minute. But I want us to look now for just a few minutes. Let's look at the pitfalls of allowing weariness to take over our lives. Some of you are saying, I'm glad you're preaching on this today, Pastor. Let's look at this. In verse 28, it says, Isaac loved Esau. Rebekah loved Jacob. For him, weariness was from favoritism. Now, I'm talking about relationships. No, I know this wouldn't happen in your family, but have you ever had a parent that seemed to favor one child over another child? It can become wearisome. In other words, there was, there was competition over Isaac's love who was the father, Isaac. So there was a competition between Esau and Jacob over getting their father's attention and his admiration. And so we see here that, first of all, that weariness can come from favoritism. In verse 29, it goes on to say, when Jacob cooked a stew, Esau came in from the field and he was weary. Weary. Now what happened? His... Weariness weakened his ability to control his desires. Weariness weakened his ability to control his own desires. Do you get that? This can, how do we apply that to ourselves? When we become weary, we'll fall to the flesh. In fact, the Bible says that anyone who's in the flesh is not pleasing to the Lord. That comes from Romans 8.8. 8. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Do you see the trick that the enemy was pulling on, on uh, Jacob and, and Esau? Do you see the trick that he's trying to pull over on you? Boy, Eric, you have to work on that one. Get some 409, or I'm not 409, some WD-40. Look at verse 31. It says, so Jacob confronts him and says, all right, I'll give you some of this stew, but first you've got to sell me your birthright. Now, what I see in that is 
Esau should have never even considered giving away his birthright, but because he was weary, his will was weakened. And this is what happens. This is why a lot of Christians will fall into sin because they become so weary with life that it weakens their will to resist the temptations of the world and of the devil himself. And so what I'm saying is, is that it seems like they're almost paired together. When you get really good and tired and worn out and wearied, you're going to just bet on the idea that there's going to be some kind of temptation that would try to trip us up because our will has been weakened. Now in verse 32 he says, and Esau, Esau said, behold, I'm about to die. So... Of what use then is this birthright to me? About to die? Do you see what happens when we become weary? We overreact. That's exactly what Esau was doing. He's, he's not about to die. Yeah, he could be hungry. Yes, he could be tired. But he was struggling in his life and it was wearing him down. And so he, he, was, he was, I mean, it, it, it just made him overreact. And have you, think about it. Anytime if you've, that you've become or if you're weary right now, man, you can go off like a cannon just like that. Snappy, head jerking. Screaming, fussing at everyone. Let me, do you know what? Maybe they don't seem to understand over here. Right? And so, this is another pitfall, but I've got a couple more. Let's look at a couple more that I noticed in this text. In verse 32, he says, What use is his birthright? In other words, when we become wearied, we become short. Sided. We can't think beyond a day. Do you want this is why I believe people this time of year will overspend money in buying presents? Because they're so tired and worn out, they just make these quick, short-sighted choices and they do stupid financial things. And then they pay for it in January, February, March, right? And maybe for the rest of the year. You see how, now, I wouldn't bring this up except this is all the way through the Bible. This isn't, this isn't a new thing that's just happened in our society. It's been going on since the very beginning. I got a couple more. Verse 33, Jacob said, swear first to me. So he swore, <laughs> and Jacob sold his birth, birthright. You see, any time we really get worn out, we're going to make really poor decisions. A lot of bad choices when we get wearied, stressed. May I use that word and you understand that they're both in today's society about the same? When you're living a stressed life, you're going to make some really bad decisions. Uh, I have this thing, uh, I say it pretty often, your lack of planning does not constitute an emergency on my part. And we do. And so I'm always, you know, people, 
have you ever noticed that when you're at your lowest or tiredest point, someone jumps in and says, they got to have something right now, this moment. Daddy, Mommy, I need it now. Right? Don't do anything until you get some rest, till you back off, till you slow down, till you, till, uh, you unclutter your mind and your life so that you can make the right kind of, kind of decisions. But let's move on. i got one or two more because I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get a better job of not being so long-winded. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate it and drank, and he rose and went on his way. That's not the important part. It says, thus Esau despised his birthright. See, his weariness made him miss his destiny. He was destined to be the firstborn. With all the rights and the privileges that come along with that being firstborn. But he despised it because he was so tired, so worn out, so low for whatever reason. The reason is that the enemy was trying to divert his destiny. But, you know, we've talked about this before. We, we do a lot of deliverance around here. And we, we, we know that deliverance is deliverance from demons. And the word damion or damon or demon literally means to distribute destinies. That's what demons do. In other words, God gave every individual ever born a future and a purpose and a destiny. It is the job of demons to divert that, that, that destiny away from God's will into the, into the work in the hands of the enemy. And so this is why you see the enemy using weariness or stress to because that's what they do. They divert destinies. God always has a better plan, but if you allow, if you allow weariness to take over, it, will, it can send you off the path that God has you planned for. See, Satan's tactics never change. They never change. Satan today still uses weariness to try to divert our destinies. Let me give you a couple examples. Uh, in Deuteronomy 25, God was speaking to the Israelites. This was concerning them when they were leaving Egypt. They were going into, their deliver into the promised land and getting deliverance from slavery. And God reminded them in Deuteronomy 25, 17, He said, never forget that the Amalekites... Never forget what the Amalekites did to you as you came from Egypt. Now listen, this, God says, remember, what did they do? They attacked you when you were exhausted and weary. And they struck down those who were straggling behind. You see how the enemy never changes his tactics? He did it from the beginning with Esau and Jacob, and now he's doing it with the Israelites uh, uh, several thousand years later. But it didn't stop there. It happened. Do you remember? All of you have heard of King David. There was a place in King David's life where Absalom, his son, was trying to take over the kingdom. Look at the strategy that Satan planted in in uh, Ahithophel. I think that's a hard, hard one to pronounce. Uh, 
In 2 Samuel 17, 1 and 2, it says, And furthermore, a fifth of thou said to Absalom, Please let me choose 12,000 men that I may arise and pursue David tonight. David was the king. Absalom was the son. And Ephethel was leading the army of, of Absalom. He said, I will come on him while he is what? Weary and exhausted. And terrify him so that the people who are with him will flee. But now notice the ultimate results that they wanted. Then I will strike down the king alone. See, if you fall into the trap of weariness... As a congregation, it opens the door for the enemy to come after me. Because you are the, the hands that hold up everything that goes on. And if you're distracted and not doing what you're supposed to be doing and all whatever, 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 it, it opens the door for the attack on your leader. I just thought I, you'd want to know about that. Let me give you another example. Remember Job? All of us, I just read Job. By the way, you need, if you read Job, like every few months, you'll finally get the, the gist of what God wanted to say. And most people, you know, the most misinterpreted and misquoted book in the Bible is the book of Job. It's amazing. But it finally, it, Jonathan, you just finished reading not long ago, right? It really brings revelation to what, what was really wanting to be said in that. But anyway, this is what Job said in Job 10, 1 and 2. He said, I am weary of living. Let me complain freely. I will speak of my sorrow and bitterness. I will say to God, don't just condemn me. Tell me why you're doing it. I am weary. Of living. By the way, it's the same Hebrew word that we just used. What happened? It's a spirit that wants to cause us to give up. It'll make us complain. It'll cause us to talk about our problems and always blame it on God. That was a mouthful. You'll just go back and listen to the tape next week. Then in Job 30, verses uh, 16 through 19, it says, My heart was broken. Depression haunted my days. My weary nights were filled with pain, as though something were relentlessly gnawing at my bones. Are you getting this? All night... Long I toss and I turn and my garments bind about me. God has thrown me into the mud and I have become dust and ashes. Weariness brings depression. Weariness brings sleeplessness. Weariness causes physical pain, even frustration. And by the way, that word we talked about, his garments binding him, that's a concept of self-pity. Poor old me. Have you ever noticed when you're getting tired and weary, we, it's easy to fall into that attitude. So, but that wasn't the last one. See, Satan, Satan never created anything. He just borrows from God and, and perverts it. Even Jesus had to deal with the very same 
spirit. It says in Luke 4, you probably you remember reading this before in verses 2 and 3. For 40 days being tempted, he was out in the wilderness fasting for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. But when they had ended, he became hungry. And the devil said, if you're the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. The word hungry is the Greek word for famished or wearied. Think about it. If we were fasting for 40 days, we probably, all of us, would have been hungry long before the 40 days were up. But Jesus made it 40 days, but then the weariness finally attacked him. And the enemy knew that when weariness comes, we're at our weakest and we make our poorest choices. And that's when the devil stepped in and said, now I got him because I've worn him out. Weariness. It it literally means not just tired, but to pine away from the tiredness. Wow. And there are other signs. You ever seen people, people who cry a lot? People who sigh a lot? Sighing is a sign of weariness. You know what? You know the Bible actually talks about that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's in uh, Psalm 6, 6. It says, I am weary in my sight. Every night I make my bed swim. I dissolve my couch in my tears. It's a sure sign that you are, you're burning, well, we would say burning the candle at both ends when you get to that point. All right. Now, having said all that, how do we prevent it? (laughs) Because some of you are saying, oh, pastor, you nailed me again how do we prevent it or or how how do we recover from weariness now that we know what it is how do we recover from it how do we prevent it from happening let me give you a couple things and we'll wrap this thing up okay number one i believe that one of the best ways to recover from or to prevent weariness is to live satisfied To live satisfied. How many people, maybe you're one of these, how many people do you know that have worn their lives out chasing the dream, whatever that dream might be? And when they and, and they're never satisfied, they never have enough. Sounds like our kids, doesn't it, when they were growing up? <laughs> it wouldn't matter, you know, how many Christmas presents they needed one more, right? Weariness. So how do you living satisfied? Uh, uh, Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 1.18, he said, Everything is unutterably weary and tiresome. No matter how much we see, we are never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we are not content. So he's telling us, this is the man that owned it all. He was bigger than Bill Gates. And all the other billionaires put together, his wealth was greater than all of them put together. He had it all, but he said that it's a waste of time because you got to learn how to live satisfied. Now, I, I want to say personally, uh, for me, 
my wife and I, now, now, now I'm not saying we're perfect and we don't have issues and family things and all that, but we will say that we live satisfied. But you know what? We lived satisfied long before we were debt free. There's a point where we just have to decide that Jesus is enough. That if I've got him, I've got all I need. Ask the person beside you. If you got him, if you got him, then you've got everything you need. So we need to we need to learn how how think about it. People are always chasing a dream. If if uh, you know. if I become the starting quarterback, I'll be happy. No, you won't. you got to be happy now before you become the starting quarterback. It is nothing to do, or if I, you know, if I get that man. No. I can't tell you the myriads of single women that have been through this church that are still out there looking for that man, and they're still not satisfied. Have you ever thought that maybe God wants you satisfied first with Him? And then He'll bring someone into your life. Because see, He doesn't want a man to be the God of your life. He wants to be the God of your life, not some man. So we just have to decide we're going to live satisfied. Number two, a second way of preventing or recovering from weariness is wait on the Lord. But pastor, I've been waiting 35 years. I've been waiting on this. I've been waiting on that. You missed the whole point. I'm not talking about sitting down and crossing your legs and tapping your fingers waiting on God. Because the Bible says in Isaiah 40, verse 31, excuse me, verse, yeah, verse 31, those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings as eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. So it's not a matter of waiting like we're waiting. It's a matter, when he says wait on the Lord, how do you, now think about this. This is how people think about waiting on the Lord. Well, I might sing, I might go to church this week. I'm just going to wait on the Lord. Oh, Lord, you know how much I love you. I'm just waiting on you. Lord, I'd do anything, but I'm waiting on you. Lord, if you'd bless me, I'd do that. But uh, for the time being, I'll just wait on you. No. The Bible gives us the secret to that. And it's all over, particularly in the New Testament. Let me give you one example of waiting on the Lord. Galatians 6, 9, let us not lose heart in doing good. For in due time we will reap if we do not become weary. In other words, the second thing you can do to recover from or keep from getting into this weariness is serve the Lord. And serve the Lord. Listen, does God need anything? Obviously, what he's saying is, is that if you'll serve his people, you're serving the Lord. In other words, put your hands to the plow. Do something for the kingdom of God. 
Do something. Step up to the plate. Share your testimony. Share your faith. Talk to a coworker about Jesus. Uh, bring somebody uh, a, a special gift, a little tiny something that shows that you that you love and appreciate them. Just do anything that God would or Jesus would do. Just do that, and you're serving the Lord. This is the best way to get out of weariness, but I'm pastor, I'm so tired. The reason you're tired is you've sat down and, you know, I'm not, I don't have the scriptures, but when I was studying this, the Bible says that God is wearied by us. Because we say we're going to do, I won't, this is a deep translation, we say we're going to do certain things and sacrifice to him, and then we don't do it. He said, I'm tired of it. Well, anyway, that's another story. So, number one, live satisfied. Number two, wait on the Lord. Number three, if you're weary, think about, as a Christian, what's in your future. That'll snap you out of it. Because when we're wearied, stressed out, can I tell you something? When we're stressed out, we don't think about anyone else or pray about anything else other than ourselves. Am I telling the truth? When we stress out, there's nobody, there, the world doesn't exist. There's no one else in the world except me when I'm stressed out. Right? How selfish of us. So, one thing you can do is think about your future and say, well, I don't know what kind of future I've got. I'm talking about not next week or next year. I'm talking about the future, 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 future. Our ultimate destiny, our eternal resting place, which, by the way, is not resting because the Bible says that God's going to put us to work. You'll be ruling over universes, nations, traveling, because literally we, we have time, but you won't, we won't be time travelers, but we, we will be doing things for the kingdom of God. But let me give you an example. This is, this is out of the living, trans, excuse me, the, new, the, new, the, the living Bible. No, it's New Living Translation, that's it. 2 Corinthians 5, 2 and 4 through 4. We grow weary in our present bodies. And we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. For we will put on heavenly bodies. We will not be spirits without bodies. Verse 4. While we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and sigh. But it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. So, if you can't do anything else, just think about what your future is going to look like. Now, this may be hard for somebody who doesn't have that future yet. I'll get to that in a moment. So, what was our first one? How do you, how do you prevent it? How do you recover from it? Live satisfied. Number two, wait on the Lord. Number three, think about your future. Number five, don't, for, don't do life alone. 
Don't do life alone. Uh, I, I thought of the example when, uh, when uh, Moses ran into a little skirmish with the Amalekites and Joshua went out to fight them. And so Moses went up on this hill and had held his staff up. You remember the story? And then uh, Aaron and Hur were with him. And as long as, as Moses kept the staff up, the Israelites were winning. But his arm got tired. He became weary. And so he let his arm fall. The staff came down. And then the Amalekites started whipping the Israelites. Well, it didn't take long to figure out for them that the, what they needed to do is help, Aaron, help Moses keep his arm up. So Aaron and Hur went up beside him and held his arm up until the enemy was defeated. See, that's a great example of how important it is that we do, don't do life alone. Do it with other people. This, you know, this is, this is the most frustrating and infuriating thing for me as a pastor because I happen to see it almost daily. The first enemy's trick is to divide and separate one of the sheep away from the flock and get them off by themselves where they are literally. Remember, we are all sheep and we, there is safety in numbers. So what he will do is draw us off to ourselves. Well, I don't feel like going to church today. Let me, I'm going to sleep in. Oh, I had a film fast last night and I was up for all hours of the night and I got to sleep. Help us. And then the next week, with all good intentions, something else happens. And then something else, and then something else. And it's just one, it's a progressive, slow, progressive process of the enemy trying to get us to do life alone. And my friends, it's the worst thing that can happen. There are a lot of people that you know, I know, that are nowhere with God. Nowhere. Used to be hot on fire Christians, but they allowed themselves to be pulled off into aloneness. And you know what? We've all been lonely. So we've had a touch of what it's like to get your brains beat out by the enemy, telling you, well, you're not worthy. You just, just go ahead and give up. Just stop. It won't hurt if you miss life group this week. They'll, they'll, they'll be fine without you. Mm -mm. All right. Live life satisfied. Wait on the Lord. Remember your future. Don't do life alone. And this is the last one. You're going to love it. Really, 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 Get saved. There are people in this room today that I believe are not saved. I've seen it most of my Christian life. People 
say, well, my, father, my dad was a minister. My mom serves in a church. Big deal. Well, I come almost every Sunday. Big deal. You're not saved. My friends, when you become born again, things change. You know, the reason people don't worship, one of the reasons, is not because, I'm serious. They say they're Christian, but they're not really born again. Because you see, when you are born again, and the Spirit of God moves into your spirit, the Spirit of God is drawing us to Jesus. And it is innately built into every born-again believer the desire to have communion and worship to the Lord to bring an expression of praise to Him, however that might look. And if you can sit in church and never get involved in the service and never heart and just you sing the song, but you don't really mean it. You don't know what it means. You don't feel anything. Or you have, you're not born again. It's the bottom line. Tell the person beside you. I guess he's not talking about you, is he? <laughs> I want to read a couple of scriptures because I'm going to. We're going to land on this one. This is a, this. We're going to land on this one. So get ready, because there are people in this room who need to make a quality, public decision. In Proverbs 30, and by the way, well, I won't go into that. Proverbs 30, verses 1, 2, and 3. Listen to what the... This is not necessarily Solomon because he did not write all of Proverbs. It says, I am weary, O God. I am weary and worn out, O God. I am too stupid to be human, and I lack common sense. Well, well, they're really thinking highly of themselves, aren't they? I have not measured, excuse me, I have not mastered human wisdom, nor do I know the Holy One. Wow. Wow. That's why Jesus said, Come unto me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble of spirit, you will find rest for your souls. And my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus has given us an open invitation. So many people withdraw or withhold themselves from their salvation through the Lord Jesus because they say, well, I'm not worthy, I'm not ready, I've got to change this, I've got to clean this up, I need to change my attitude Now, Jesus is saying, let me get in life with you. Let me get in life with you. Let me yoke up with you. And let me lead your life. You see, we don't understand the, the commodities of farming. 
When you took two oxen and you yoked them up, they were not equal. You had a lead oxen and a following oxen. And the lead oxen was the one who was trained, knowledgeable, had experience, and had been in the field and knew how to do the work. And they always had a novice ox in the yoke with him, one who wanted to be like the big ox. And that's why Jesus said, this, let me, he says, let me get yoked into your life. So he's not wanting you to lead. He's wanting to lead you, but he wants to do it together with you. Oh, what a friend we have in Jesus. All our cares and burdens bear. Ooh, I can't remember. I can't believe I remembered that one. Wow. So it's time to hand over the reins. It's time to yield and let Jesus be the Lord, the Lord of your life. But it requires one thing, well, two. First, we have to acknowledge that we have and are sinful. And we all know that we're, none of us have been perfect. In fact, that keeps a lot of people out of the kingdom because they see people who are imperfect, who are Christians. You're supposed to. Perfection doesn't arrive until we get new bodies. But first we have to repent. Repent, is more. It, to me, is more than just changing your mind. Repentance in the Jewish culture meant a change in your lifestyle. You're, you say, well, I can't change it. That's because you don't have the Spirit of God inside of you to give you the power to change it. When you totally yield to His Lordship and then say, Jesus, you are my Lord, then the Spirit of God comes inside and He empowers us to live the life that we need to live. But my friends, we need to examine ourselves to see. In fact, Paul said, examine to yourselves to see if you are of the faith. And some people walk around in church, I don't want to, I don't I don't I don't They will never review their life and say, what's my life like? Am I really, 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 really saved? Or am I pretending? Going through the motions. I can't answer these things for you. It's a choice that you have to make individually. You've got to repent. In other words, that's not saying, well, I got caught and I'm sorry. Repentance means, no, I, I, I'm just being, it was for me. I had to come to the realization that I was a scum bucket. That there was nothing in me that could get me to where I needed to be in God. That I had to totally and completely yield my life. And I remember the moment. And if you're truly born again, you will remember the moment. It does not happen by osmosis. It does not happen because you become a member of this church or you attend this church or you got family members that attend this church and, and that you put on. No, it, 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 you will know the moment you are born again because God will not just slip in the side door and snatch you up. You and I have to make the confession that Jesus, you are the Son of God 
and that you died on the cross for my sins and I am worthless and hopeless without you and without your sacrifice for sin, I can never be a friend of God. But if you're hungry, you can yield your life and say, Jesus, I don't know what this means, but I'm repenting. That happened to me. That was my testimony. I won't give it all to you. Just, I just, there was a moment in my life when I was around a whole bunch of people in a and I saw myself in this group of construction folks who were cussing, telling dirty jokes, doing all the stuff that I had comfortably done all of my life. And even though I, they were within 10 feet of me, I wasn't involved in it because God had his eye on me. He said, I want you to see what you're like. And in an instant... I saw, I said, that's me. See, when I came to the realization that that was me and no one else, that was me. And I, my, this was my prayer. I said, Lord, I don't want to be that way any longer. Change me. I don't know how it happened for most of you, but that's how it happened to me. And I remember that as clear as I'm standing here this morning because that was the moment that I was born again. So you'll know, you'll know, you'll know, you'll know the moment you're born again. Let's everybody stand to our feet. We're going to watch a three and a half minute video and we're going to deal with this spirit of weariness. How many have a gumption to say, you know, Pastor, I've been kind of dealing with this very thing. I'm, you, you, you've, you've actually seen a couple of the signs that I've mentioned today in your life. So watch this video real quick, okay? I waken the other morning with a Spanish word um, that I sure what it meant and uh, so well, some of the Spanish speakers will know what it is when I say hey, basta what it means like enough fed up I've had all I'm going to take and I felt from the Holy Spirit as I was praying that there, there's this spirit of weariness that is coming on people and what it's this is what it's saying it's actually demonic
character relate to this. I, you just feel so tired all the time. You feel, and it's not a natural tiredness, it's a soul tiredness, where you just feel like you can't get up, you can't move, you can't do anything. And I literally heard the Holy Spirit say, Basta, you know, fed up, get up, you know, like like to the to the powers of darkness around you. And the Lord would say, you cannot let yourself go down in your destiny due to the weariness of the battle. You cannot let yourself be robbed of the blessings I have for you because you are too tired to fight anymore. The Lord would say this morning, basta, stop to the enemy. And I want to agree with that. I want to bind that spirit of weariness. I want to bind that which is coming against you. And I just feel like the Holy Spirit wants to give you a refreshing. He wants to do something extraordinary for you. He wants to uh, cause you to be able to shake off yesterday's troubles, yesterday's anxiety. And I just see some people, you're you're just like you've got in panic mode where you, you're spiraling and you're spiraling down and down and down. And so I just say to the enemy, Basta, stop it in the name of Jesus. I say to your spirit, rise up. There's a refreshing in the presence of the Lord. There's a rest in God that you can I'm thinking of Psalm 23, that he's leading you beside green pastures and still water for his name's sake. I'm feeling something break. Uh, it's, it's breaking off of you. It's breaking off you emotionally. It's breaking off you physically. And sometimes I just feel from the Lord that you cannot separate. And if that's happened to you before, you cannot separate. Thank you for listening to the Resurrection Church Podcast. We hope you are encouraged and ready to win souls for Christ. For more information or to plan your visit, go to rc-hickory.org.